Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces, NATION30, and you will receive 30% off your purchase. Hey, guys and gals. Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Episode 2. Welcome back, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed Episode 1. If you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to Episode 1 because I thought it was pretty good myself. And yeah, hopefully I'm getting a few of the kinks worked out. I'm really trying hard, trying to minimize the ums and ands, which is way more difficult than you would think. So, working on that. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Uh, Excited for today's episode with Jared Davis. But uh, before we get into that, I want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, how my hunting season's going. I finally got some meat for the freezer. Uh, Today is November 30th, Monday, uh, when I'm recording this intro. And Saturday evening, I was able to fill two of my rifle tags on some does, which ended quite the dry spell I was having. So even though it was just some does, I was really happy to get that done. And then Sunday, last night, my wife wanted to hunt. She had hunted uh, on Friday evening and saw some deer. Actually, she had a shot at a buck and she pulled the trigger and her gun did not fire. We're still not sure what's up with it. Uh, I took it out the next day and fired two rounds like nothing. There was a little uh, depression on the bullet, but it for whatever reason, it didn't go off. But uh, we learned last night that that was a little blessing in disguise because she went back to the same stand by herself. I was actually hunting at a different property, and she was sitting there, heard some rustling in the leaves, got ready, and sure enough, a nice eight-point came through pushing a doe, and he stopped at 20 yards right in front of her. She took her time, made a shot, and called me immediately. Uh, again, I was in the stand, and so I, I went ahead and answered because just you know, looking at the time and everything, I, I figured something might have happened. And she was so excited; she could barely talk. I was trying to ask her questions like, you know, did he jump? Did he kick? Which direction did he go? Did he look hit? And like all these questions, and she was just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I was like, well, you know, did it feel good? Did the shot feel good? You think you hit him? She's like, I don't know. I was shaking. I don't know. And so it kind of made me regret not being there. 
Uh, but at the same time, I was also super proud of her for doing it by herself. And so, uh, I told her she needed to, you know, give it a little time, especially since she wasn't sure. And we talked about it and, uh, she said I could go ahead and finish out the hunt. There's only about 30 minutes left in daylight. And so I told her to wait a little while and then, you know, if she wanted to, she could climb down and look for blood. And so... Uh, she did wait a little while and of course she climbed down and she couldn't help herself. She went ahead and found him. He'd only gone about 45 yards. And so she decided she was going to surprise me and send me a picture. So she took a picture and sent it to me and you know, it looked like a pretty decent little buck and I was excited for her. And so I finished up my hunt and loaded up and headed to her and got there and we, uh, we met up at the road and then headed in together and she, we walked up to him and I guess, you know, she just didn't really know kind of the angles you should take a picture of or whatever. But this buck turned out to be really nice. I mean, like, I haven't got to score him, but, he, I mean, he's probably a 135, 140-inch buck. Uh, you know, just a, a real wide, pretty tall eight-point and definitely mature. I mean, at least four, if not five. Uh, no history with him. You know, he was all rutted up, big swollen neck and everything. So... I was so excited for her, and she was so excited. Uh, she has killed a doe before, but this was her first buck, and it was a heck of a first buck. And so we decided we're going to get it mounted for her. Um, <laughs> I kind of got to give her a hard time because she's always talking about, you know, I, I'm i not allowed to have all my mounts in the living room. She's always trying to limit me, and I was like, well, babe, you know, uh, I guess he's going to have to go in our bedroom or something. She was like, no, 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 no. He's going in the living room. So it was fun to give her a hard time, uh, you know, for a change. So so that was awesome. So we went from uh, having no deer meat to three deer in basically 24 hours. And so that was pretty awesome. And, you know, it takes a little uh, pressure off of me. It's nice that we at least have the meat part covered and I can kind of go back to focusing on bucks. So still, uh, still striking out. Um, I, I need to go back and tell the story of some previous uh, encounters I had, but as of now, I am buckless again on November 30th, but not worried yet. Um, our place sets up really well for, for late season. Um, I did pass up a 10-point, uh, I guess Saturday morning. Um, he, I kinda, I, he was the deer I went in after, but when he came out and I saw him in person, he just... He just didn't quite do it for me. He was younger than I thought it. He was smaller than I thought. And, you know, he just he just didn't get my uh, my heart pumping like I wanted to. So I went ahead and let him walk. And uh, so, yeah, got, a, I guess, over a month left of season. And, again, not worried yet. I'm sure give me a few weeks and I'll be more worried. But, uh, anyway, so, yeah, that's my season. I uh, haven't got to do any duck hunting yet. Uh, I've killed, I think, 26 hogs since October 1st. So, you know, that's kind of whatever. <laughs> it's fun, but mostly they're just an annoyance. And so, uh, yeah, I'll probably do a hog episode sometime and how much I hate them. But anyway, back to today's podcast. Today we are talking to Jared Davis, and he is the fur bear biologist for the state of Oklahoma, and we have a great discussion. Um, I didn't realize until talking to him, I guess, just how controversial mountain lions uh, are in the state of Oklahoma, and that's our main focus today is mountain lions. And the controversy is not really like whether they should be here, whether they shouldn't, or where they came from. It's more just are they here or are they not? And, you know... 
growing up uh, around the state of Oklahoma and uh, living here and stuff, you know, you you talk to a lot of uh, a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, there's a mountain lion back in that draw, or there's a mountain lion that follows that creek, or we got one on the back forty, or I saw one across the road, and uh, you know, I, like obviously, I'm not going to call anybody a liar. You know, I haven't seen one, I haven't seen any evidence of one. But, you know, people are getting trail cam photos of them. You know, people are seeing them. I've talked to people that I, you know, I trust and believe a lot. And they said they've seen one. So I'm definitely not going to, going to deny it. Um, so, yeah, it's, I have a great conversation with Jared about all this. He has some, uh, some awesome statistics to back up what he talks about. And uh, we get into a few other little random things. But, again, the main, the main focus here is mountain lions. And it's very interesting uh, I do have to say, you know, another rookie mistake on my part. Uh, this was actually the first interview I ever recorded over Skype, and I screwed up and did not select my fancy new microphone when we recorded it. And so Jared sounds awesome. Uh, I, however, sound like I'm talking into a coffee can because I was talking into my nice fancy microphone, but it was actually recording through my computer. And so I sound a little muffled. I'm sorry, I'm still working on it. I'm new to this, but uh, I'm learning every time. So I hope y'all can get through it. Again, the information is great. And uh, please let me know what you guys think of this and think of our conversation. So I'm excited to hear back from you guys. I'm going to stop yammering. Here's my conversation with Jared Davis. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm talking to Jared Davis. How are you doing today, Jared? Doing fine. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing great. You gave me a great excuse to come in out of the heat and sit in the AC for a while, so I have absolutely <laughs> no complaints right now. So, sure. uh, Well, Jared, why don't you, before we get started, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Okay. Um, well, like I said, my name is Jared Davis. I am a wildlife biologist with the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. I've been with the department for 12, 13 years. 12 going on 13 years. I, uh, currently my job is as, uh, the fur bearer biologist. And one of my job duties that I do with that is, uh, I deal with uh, mountain lion reports and do site investigations to confirm mountain lion sightings in the state. Um, that's like I said, that's one of, one of my job duties along with, um, dealing with trapping regulations and, and fur harvest, um, tracking, monitoring populations of fur bearers in the state. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we may get into a little bit of uh, some other stuff, but mostly what we want to talk about today is the good old Oklahoma mountain lion. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for this uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I just love learning about it. But two, uh, you know, so many people that I talk to uh, you know, hey, we got a mountain lion in the back here, or if you go over to this draw, we got a mountain lion over there, or, you know, just all over the place. And uh, and I'm really just excited to, to present some facts, and, you know, I'm not calling anybody a liar or anything, obviously. Um, but uh, you guys put out a video on Facebook uh, a couple months ago uh, talking about mountain lion sightings, and I believe it was you in the video, correct? That was me, yes. Yep. And uh, you presented a lot of facts that were honestly pretty mind-blowing to me. Um, and so that's what we want to get into today. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, real quick, uh, could you give us just a little bit of a, a history of mountain lions in Oklahoma? 
Sure. I mean, you know, before, prior to European, you know, settlement, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, their mountain lions were, were common in Oklahoma or the Oklahoma ter- territory and a, across the plains. Um, but, you know, as it started getting settled and developed, um, mountain lions were extirpated from this area in, in the 19th century. We don't know exactly when or exact time, but, um, you know, we, we know that they weren't common in the area sometime in the mid 19th century. You know, they were hunted because they were perceived to be a threat both Mm -hmm. to the settlers and to, you know, their livelihood being the cattle and the, you know, personal safety as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also began to leave the area because deer were being harvested for food, uh, which is their main food source. So their main food source is gone. They're being threatened. So, yeah, they're going to either they're going to stay and be hunted or they're going to leave this area and go to areas that have, you know, abundant food sources and, and less pressure from humans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were scattered reports that started back in the 1950s. Um, but we as a department didn't start tracking and confirming those reports until, you know, the early 2000s. And -hmm. since then, you know, we've had a a pretty consistent protocol and procedure in place to report and confirm, um, you know, these mountain lions. So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've always, we know that we had them in the past, and we know that we have had them passing through the state, but um, as far as resident populations in Oklahoma, you know, we haven't found any evidence of that, mm. um, you know, since since the 1950s or or maybe even earlier than that. So no no breeding going on, no mountain lions staying around or calling this home. Right. Yeah. We you know they have they have pretty large home territories that mm. they that they range and and. We know that there's probably some overlap that comes into Oklahoma, but as far as those core territories where you have reproductively active females with cubs, you know, we've had no scientific evidence of, of having that in Oklahoma yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And, uh, so if you had to guess, or you may have exact numbers, how many reported sightings do you guys average per year? Um, I, I don't really have a yearly average, but I know that any given month, like I went through my emails and the, our reporting system now is you go to our website, you fill out a report and it sends an email directly to me. Um, gotcha. So any given month I have upwards of 30 reports. So hmm. I guess a conservative estimate is probably 300 reports a year. Hmm. And wow. those are the ones that, those are the ones that just make it to me. You know, either through online submission form or phone calls that are forwarded through our game wardens and field biologists. Um, You know, that doesn't include the the Facebook posts and Mm -hmm. not our Facebook posts, but, you know, private Facebook posts or, you know, the the local rumor mill. You know, those don't make it to us. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't we don't get to we don't get to take a look at those. Right, right. So, so walk us through that real quick. So, let's say an email goes all the way through, gets to you. Um, maybe they have a picture or a picture of a track, you know, you think it's fairly credible. Uh, what is your process then for going out and checking on that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, you know, people send in a report to me. Sometimes it's just, you know, hey, I saw something, I don't have any evidence, but what well, I believe it was a mountain lion. Um, I'm not in the business of telling people what they see. 
I'm just in the business of telling people the facts and then mm-hmm. they can decide on their own. So, you know, in reports like that, where there's no hard evidence or physical evidence of, of a mountain lion being in the area, what we do is we kind of take that information. Um, we put it into just a little database, like a little spreadsheet, and we have a date and a location track on that. And if we get multiple reports in the same area, you know, we may try and go out and see if we can find something, you know, look a little closer for tracks or hair, uh, maybe a, a kill cache location where they've where they've um, predated on deer and, and cache those carcasses. Um, but you know, short of having short of having any physical evidence. That's what we would do. Uh, if somebody sends me a picture of a track or um, a, a trail cam picture or an, a camera phone picture or something like that, uh, we look at the credibility of the picture. Um, first, you know, if it's a track, we I try to identify, is that a mountain lion track? Is that a dog track? Um, you know, we need to get some size on that because mm-hmm. we know we know you know average size of a mountain lion track average size of a of a bobcat track you know those are the really the only two in oklahoma that you're going to get mm-hmm. confused with and size is really an issue um with with the the canine tracks versus feline tracks those are usually pretty easy to to determine because the presence of claw prints in the canine track um and also the the heel pad you know is going to have two lobes on the bottom as opposed to the, excuse me, the trilobe mm. on the cat pad. So, I mean, there's some things that we look at as far as that, um, on the tracks. And then if we get a picture of an animal, you know, of course we need to look and, and try and verify if it's a mountain lion or if it's a, uh, something else, you know, it mm-hmm. could be a, a yellow lab, a, a house cat, a bobcat. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if we do believe that there, uh, there's a good, possibility that that is a mountain lion we contact the person that sent it in uh, try and get access to the location that the picture was taken and verify that that picture was taken in oklahoma you know there's Mm. a lot of Mm. there's a lot of pictures floating around there and people will try and pass them off as you know i took this picture or this picture was a from a friend of a friend of a friend Mm. um uh, so, you know, Google image search is an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you can find pictures uh, that people post and, right. and try and try and take off the Internet and pass off as their own mountain lion sighting, which I don't right. I don't understand why. why anybody yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've definitely seen, uh, you know, there's probably like three super popular trail cam photos that I see pop up every couple of years. And and usually it's always in a different location or a different person. And so. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's a common common occurrence. Yeah, there's that one where the the mountain lion's dragging the deer in front yep. of the deer feeder, and it's, oh, yeah. man, that thing's been dragging that poor deer for for <laughs> years. It hadn't stopped to got to eat the thing or anything. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, so you know, average let's say 300 a year, and of those, how many do y'all or can you actually confirm? So any given year, um, I think the most we've confirmed is five. Um, and then some years we have zero, I think 2016, we didn't have any confirmed mountain lion, um, sightings. So there's always some in the works, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure five is the most that we've ever done in, in one year. Yeah. And to, for it to be considered confirmed, do you have to actually see the cat or, I mean, if you can tell without a doubt that it's a mountain lion track, can that count as a confirmed case? Yeah, there is. There's actually been a case um, since I've been in this position. I think it was back in 20. 
2017 in McIntosh County, uh, we were able to um, identify through hair samples, tree scratch, and tracks. Um, the, all three of those basically indicate that there was a mountain lion near the Canadian River mm. in McIntosh County. So, yeah, we don't have to have a picture, you know, if we have a good track that gives us good information on location. You know, we can we can find all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on from that. So let's say you get the call, you go out, uh, you confirm it. Um, what is the best I guess, explanation for that cat being wherever it is. Is it, you know, a young male looking to breed? Is it just a young cat that might have been displaced? What's usually y'all's best guess on why that cat is there? Uh, we believe that, like, the most probable reason for a mountain lion to be in Oklahoma and is probably a younger cat looking to establish uh, a home territory. And we've been fortunate enough to collect DNA from a handful of mountain lions that we've, that we've either gotten through. Um, I think, well, there was a, a train accident where a, a cat got hit by a train, cat mm. got hit by a car. Um, we've had one that was illegally hunted in Oklahoma. Um, and then one that was, uh, killed, uh, when it was trying to eat some sheep in, in the panhandle panhandle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've, we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to collect data to get some information off of those. And we were able to send that DNA to a laboratory for genetic analysis. So the, of those cats, they were, they were linked to three established populations, uh, one in Nebraska, one in South Dakota, and one in Colorado. Hmm. So, I mean, they're coming a long ways. I mean, right. these, the areas, especially in South Dakota and Nebraska, these are heavily, these are heavily populated and, and dense for, you know, animals that have, 40, 50, up to 100 and 125 square mile range. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're packed in there pretty tight for having that, that type of, of territory. Mm -hmm. So those, those dominant males are, are pushing these, these female or these younger males out mm -hmm. and they're going to look for, for greener pastures. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what we kind of think that they're just transient males or transient juveniles coming into, or adolescents, gotcha. um, coming into Oklahoma. Um, looking, looking for an area to set up shop. Um, but you know, the main, one of the things that you look for in establishing a territory is, you know, females coming in because the males mm -hmm. aren't going to stick around until there's a female that comes in to, to set up that home range. So until we have those females come in and set up those home ranges, I think the males are going to continue to move through Oklahoma in search of an area where there's already a territory that overlaps with the females territory. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the lady's got to lead the way, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got kind of two questions that I'm going to kind of put in one. Um, okay. And you covered it a little bit, but like, is there a part of the state where you're more likely to encounter one than another? And kind of along with that, like habitat wise, is there one habitat that they seem to like over the other? You know, Oklahoma's very diverse from east to west. And me personally, when I think of like, you know, a mountain lion, I would think maybe in the mountains, you know, more eastern Oklahoma. Um, but it sounds like, and, and I guess it kind of makes sense if you think of where the populations are, but it sounds like more of the cats are coming from the west. Um, so is there a part of the state where, you're, where you might have more encounters than the other? Um, 
so if you would look at a, at a map of what counties have had confirmed sightings in them, it, it pretty much ranges in every region of the state as far as if you divided it up into you know four, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty fairly distributed as far as where those confirmed sightings have come from. Um, but then when you look at the number of confirmed sightings in each county, you know, there's there's more activity in the far northwest reaches of Oklahoma where you're closer to Texas and Colorado and New Mexico where they where they do have all of the established populations of mountain lions. Hmm. So, yeah, they're coming they're coming north to south um, and and kind of we've we were able to track. I say we were able to track um, through confirmations. I think there was one year where we had multiple 2015. We had multiple photographs um from Logan County, Pottawatomie County, uh, and we were actually able to link that up with Kansas, who had been tracking the same cat hmm. coming southeast through Kansas, and it went southeast through Oklahoma. Hmm. You know, once it got past Tecumseh Mod area, we we don't know where it went. We, we weren't able to. We didn't have any more confirmations. Hmm. So, you know, the, so you would kind of think, I mean. That's where we kind of have seen it up in that panhandle area where there's more there's more confirmations, there's more sightings up there. Uh, as far as the habitat, basically areas with good cover. And, you know, that's a very, very broad statement. You know, that could be mm-hmm. dense vegetation in tall grass prairies or forests or swamps or even rocky bluffs with rocky, rocky bluffs, geez, <laughs> with rapid elevation change. Yeah. Um, and any of those areas that have sparse human population is going to be preferred as well. Because, mm. you know, I mean, they don't look at us and see prey. They look at us and see a competitor. Right. Um, so, you know, they're not going to they're not going to want to put up with that competition if they don't have to. Right. Lucky for them, there's quite a bit of that sparse population in this state. So, yeah. Um, um, so as far as like factors that could make us have maybe potentially more lions, um you know, you mentioned cover, obviously, but what about like, you know, our, our deer herd is growing. Uh, Oklahoma's a big ranching state. You got cattle, you got sheep, uh, goats. Um, it, does that type of thing sound like it could make more for more lion sightings? Uh, so out of the 20 ish years that we've been keeping, um, as good of, as good a records as we can, um, we've never had a confirmed case of, mountain lion predation on cattle. Mm. Um, there's been one case where there was one found eating a cow, but we don't know just based off that was, that was a wildlife services. Um, that was a wildlife services mm. issue gotcha. uh, with it. When it starts dealing with livestock, you start mm-hmm. talking about wildlife services. Um, so I don't think that the cattle are going to have any impact on mountain lion prevalence. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a confirmed case of mountain lion predation on a goat herd in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, that, but I think that's just more of the fact that we're going to see more of them up in that area because they're mm-hmm. coming down from that area. Gotcha. Uh, and our deer herd has been you know, pretty healthy mm-hmm. over the last decade, decade and a half. You know, we've, we've got really good deer herd in Oklahoma. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be any more of a draw to them now mm-hmm. as it, or in the, you know, in the next decade as it as it has been in the last decade right but i mean that is one thing you know that is one thing that we do have now that we didn't have you know 50 60 years ago is Mm -hmm. you know a good deer herd so it may just be time for you know the the prey 
the the selected prey of choice is back in the state. So now they're going to come back in the state, and we may just be catching on to it as it as it happens. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um, this one might go along with that a little bit, or I don't know. It could be totally uh, random, but uh, uh, as we see an increase in the black bear population, uh, specifically in eastern Oklahoma. Is there any correlation from that that could carry over to cats? You know, and I think I heard that they've now seen black bears as far west as Oklahoma City, or maybe west of Oklahoma City. Um, so yeah, is there any correlation between bears and cats? Uh, I don't. I don't think that there's any direct correlation between black bears and, and mountain lions. You know, in states where they have both of those, they actually kind of come into conflict with each other, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know working in tandem with each other. But we have had quite a few success stories in Oklahoma regarding the reintegration, reintegration of historic species. You know, we've got the, mm-hmm. the deer herd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the river otter return to the majority of their historical range mm-hmm. uh, since the mid-1980s. Um, black bear are another species that have begun to naturally reintegrate back into their historic ranges. Um, it's more likely that there's a correlation between conservation efforts and the natural reintegration of species on their own accord, I think, than there would be between any other species moving back in, maybe aside from, from the white-tailed deer. Uh, that There may be a delayed correlation with mountain lions coming back into that, but as far as the black bear, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any, any, any correlations other than the fact that conservation efforts are allowing them to come back in. Mm. So there may, that may be the, I think that's probably the only, only point in which they are, they're able to kind of be examined at the same level. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's funny you say, uh, otter, um, after the big, uh, the floods of 2015, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with, uh, we had uh, some property along the Red River that the river got out of its banks and flooded into one of our ponds. And, uh, that, uh, oh, I guess, I don't know, October, November, uh, my sister and I were duck hunting on that pond and all of a sudden my sister starts nudging me and she's like, John, John, an otter. And I'm like, there's no otters here. And I turned my head <laughs> and sure enough, there were two otters in that pond that I assume came out of the river during all the flooding. But, uh, yeah. oh, that was very cool to see. Um, it, it is very neat. You know, we've had, we've had reports of otter all, all the way over in Custer County mm-hmm. uh, in Western Oklahoma. Um, the only place we haven't had any are up in the panhandle, which, I mean, that's, that's not their historic range right. anyway, because there's no water up there. Right. <laughs> there are not a whole lot of water up there. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And then actually, uh, just kind of on the same topic, I actually saw a quail, uh, yesterday, uh, which is something we haven't seen around here. Again, I'm in Southeastern Oklahoma for you and mm-hmm. the listeners. And so, um, seeing that was really cool. Um, yeah, that, that's, I mean, I'm in, uh, central Oklahoma. I live just Northeast of, of, uh, Oklahoma city, a uh, little, little town. Um, and actually where that bear was confirmed was about four miles from my house. So mm. it's just, just to the East of Oklahoma city. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, so with the way things are going with the habitat, um, with cats kind of coming in and out, uh, would you expect to see an established population anytime soon? Uh, you know, a female, a female establishing a home range would be the first step in, in beginning that process of having an established breeding population. And you know, like, we, like we talked about earlier, we don't have any, any scientific evidence of a reproductively active female or cubs, um, you know, any of the carcasses that we've, that we've been able to get our hands on. None of, if, I think one or two of those were female 
um, and neither of them had shown signs of, of being reproductively active. Mm. Um, so until we get that, you know, we're not even going to be able to begin that process. Mm. And when that happens, I mean, that, that guess is as good as anybody's. It could happen tomorrow, next year, or a decade from now. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure it's going to happen. I just, I, like I said, I just, there's no, there's no way to put a timetable on Right, that. right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then one of my last questions. So I've, again, like I've had people talk to me about mountain lions and, you know, claim they saw one. And, uh, usually they're saying it, you know, pretty excited. They think it's cool. They think it's awesome that they saw it. Um, what is the general population's feelings on mountain lions? Like, do they like them? Do they think it's cool? Are they scared of them for, you know, their safety or their livestock safety? Just what is the general feeling about these lions? Yes. 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 <laughs> the, answer, the answer to that would be yes. Uh-huh. Uh, public opinion, just like on anything, you know, public opinion on mountain lions run the gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can do is, is kind of give some facts, uh, you know, different lists show different numbers. But in North America, there's been less than 150 attacks in the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's North America. That's Canada, and the United States, mm-hmm. I think, are where these numbers are pulled from. Mm-hmm. Um, less than 30 of those attacks have actually been fatal. So as far as a threat posed to humans by mountain lions, it's, it's very, very low. Um, like I said earlier, they look at us, we're not in their prey profile. They don't look at humans and go "Mm, dinner. Mm -hmm. They look at us and go "Mm, competitor. Mm -hmm. So, um, and uh, you know, me saying that if somebody's afraid of them, they're going to be afraid of them. That's not going to, you know, that's not going to sway them one way or the other, but, but they, uh, in areas where mountain lions are more prevalent and there are more people in those areas, you know, attacks are, are still incredibly rare. Mm. Uh, like in California and Colorado where they have m- much, much higher densities of human population and, yeah. and much higher densities of, of mountain lion populations. Um, so, I mean, having, having that fear, you know, having a, a healthy, healthy dose of, of fear of an apex predator is not a bad thing. Right. Um, but, you know, being able to enjoy it for what it is, uh, you know, an apex predator in a very healthy, vibrant ecosystem that, that we have in Oklahoma, I mean, I think is, is, is probably the route that we should, we should take with that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. My, uh, my brother and I were on a lease last year that had bears on it. And that was actually the main reason we wanted to be on the lease. And, uh, we both went up one weekend and kind of set up our bait barrels and stands and all that. And then we had it worked out to where I would go one weekend to refresh the bait and he'd go the next weekend. And, uh, the first weekend it was my weekend. And I remember getting out of the truck and thinking like, I am headed into a spot where we are trying to attract (laughs) bears and it got very real. And sure enough, you know, I, I, uh, get on the trail and I hadn't walked 15 feet and I look down and I see a fresh bear track on the trail. So now it's like, not only am I going to where we're trying to attract him, but I know that something has been there. And yeah. so, um, and when I talked to my brother about doing this podcast, we were talking about, you know, lions and what happens if we saw one. And he asked me if I checked my trail camera and, you know, got a picture of a mountain lion on it, would I still hunt that stand? And boy, I had to really think about it. You know, I, I, I feel like I would, kind of got over it with the bears, but I think a cat just brings a whole nother level of fear for some reason. Yeah. I think 2014, when I, when I first started this position, um, 
after transferring over from from the law enforcement division. Uh, I started the job October 1, and October 24th, I get a phone call. And this guy is, you know, he's adamant. I've got a mountain lion. i got a mountain lion. We had a the older reporting system then. So, you know, I, I, had a, I gave him my information, and he... Mm-hmm send me the picture. I was like, sure enough, man, that's a mountain lion. <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, I just got it on my camera this morning. You need to come out. And when I'm saying this morning, he called me at seven 45. I think he took the picture <laughs> at like five something that, or the, the trail camera got the picture at five something that morning. Mm. So we go out there and, and just kind of like you were talking about with being in an area that, you know, you know, that there has been an animal there recently that is much bigger than you and much stronger than mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It kind of puts you in place as far as, you know, I know it's, I know there's a very, very low chance that I'm going to get attacked by this animal, but just knowing mm-hmm. that it was knowing there. That there's I'm, a chance. I'm, yeah. I'm walking in the exact same spot up to this game camera. This mountain lion was walking, you know, five hours ago. Right. Yeah, it does. It makes the hair on your neck stand up mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you, like I said, a healthy a healthy dose of, of fear is not is nothing to be yeah <laughs> you know, nothing to be sad about. Right, right, right. Uh, well, that just about covers most of my questions. Uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, could you walk us through the steps if someone was to have a sighting? Uh, can you walk us through the steps of what they should do to get into contact with you? Of course, yeah. So our um, our website, the Department of Wildlife, uh, Oklahoma Department of Wildlife, is wildlifedepartment.com. Um, when you go to that website, it is going to give you the option to um, report a sighting. Let's see. You totally caught me off guard on this one. Uh, uh, my bad. <laughs> no, I, told you, I told you I was going to get you, you somehow. You gonna, yeah, you told me you are going to throw me, throw me one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go to wildlifedepartment.com go to the hunting section. Uh, when you click on hunting, there's a what to hunt, and then it goes to fur bears and trapping. At the top of the fur bear and trapping page, there's a there's a mountain lion information click. Once you go there, uh, there is a reporting page at the very top. It says report sighting, and that takes you directly to our report sighting um, form, which goes directly to my email. Um, so, and you can always just search mountain lion report or mountain lion mm-hmm. sighting uh, on the search bar whenever you log into wildlifedepartment.com. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, I, I believe I Googled uh, Oklahoma mountain lions, and that Facebook video was one of the first things to pop up. So if people want to watch that, uh, I highly encourage it. I think what y'all did with the scale, you had a, a scale of a house cat, a bobcat, and a mountain lion. And yep. seeing that scale really put things in perspective of kind of what to expect. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun doing that video. And I hope that, I hope that a lot of people found it educational and, you know, people listening to this, if you haven't seen it, go, go look at that because it really does, it really does kind of surprise you as to, you know, there's a little bit of, a little bit of difference between what you're seeing and what's actually there sometimes when scale and, and angles are played with, um, but yeah, once we put that mountain lion silhouette up there, it was, it was pretty telling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, well, Jared, I've really enjoyed this. You were very, very informative and very helpful. Um, 
I'd encourage people to get in contact with you if they think they saw something. And again, go watch that video because it, it might stop you from contacting Jared and save him a little trouble. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, any any closing thoughts or any uh, any questions or information I might have forgotten? Oh, you know, there's always there's always something that we forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. I'm, I'm sure we'll think of something in about five minutes. <laughs> of course. Oh, man, we should have put that in there. <laughs> but uh, um, no, you know, just the main thing that I that I want to talk to or tell people is, you know, go outdoors, have fun outside and, and just enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And with that, we're going to close this out. Thanks again for coming. And uh, yeah, get outside, everybody. And there we have it, episode two. A uh, huge shout out to Jared, and I just really want to thank him for coming on and and talking to me. And uh, you know, we actually you heard me say at the beginning of, of the recording, you know, it's hot outside. That's because we recorded this a couple months ago, and it's just now getting out. And that's kind of uh, like I said, it's just been a long progress or uh, process getting this uh, thing up and going, and so. Uh, again, I just want to thank Jared for coming on and, and being patient with me and, and you guys also just, uh, with the technical difficulties and everything. I hope you guys learned something from that. I sure did. Um, you know, I think I feel a little better walking through the woods now. Uh, I I looked at the map and there's zero confirmed sightings in my County, uh, but there are confirmed sightings to the East and North, I believe. And so, they're definitely around, and you know I think it's cool that they're around. I don't think anybody is right or wrong when it comes to the whole are there mountain lions here or not. Um, and yeah, I I think it's awesome. I think it's just another thing that makes Oklahoma a unique state, uh, another creature out there on the landscape. And again, I just yeah I think it's awesome. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool to see one, honestly. And uh, you know I said in the beginning that I've never seen one. I do have to say, I I do have a mountain lion story. Um, I was, I think, 16 or 17, and me and a couple of my buddies from high school were up at my grandpa's place, and if I remember right, I think we got our four-wheeler stuck, and we were walking back to the truck, and one of my buddies was like, hey, what's that? And we look over to the right, and uh, I was like, oh, it's a coyote, or, you know, or whatever. And then it turned to the side, and we see this figure with a big, long tail. And all of us are just like, mountain lion. <laughs> and so, again, I I don't know what I saw. You know, it was really far away. and But it does make me understand how people could see something and say, like, hey, that's a mountain lion. Uh, and, again, it could have been. So, who knows? I'll never know. But, uh, anyway, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to have a lot more content coming down. Uh, we're going to have more of these interviews. We're going to have some just some normal conversations. You guys are going to get to hear me just yammer on and talk eventually and talk about what's going on in, uh, in my world. So, yeah, I, I'm having a blast with this. I hope you guys are. I'm going to keep pumping these out as long as y'all will listen to them. Uh, please look us up on social media. And, again, I want to hear y'all's feedback. I want to hear stories I'd love, oh man, if somebody sent me some pictures, you know, of their own pictures of some mountain lions, I think that would be awesome. So, again, special shout out to uh, Jared and all of you guys for listening. Again, I'm terrible at ending these podcasts, so I'm just kind of, kind of cut myself off, and I hope you guys have a great day.